Yeah, so I want to read from a scripture in uh, Ephesians 2, and we'll read from uh, 1 to 22. 1 to 22. It's not that long, even though it's one. The, the verses are very short. Ephesians 2, 1 to 22. It says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision. So we're talking about the people of Israel who were the chosen people of God and the, the Gentiles that were um, not yet considered engrafted into um, being the people of God, which is done in the body by human hands, talking about human circumcision. He said, remember that at times you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship, citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. I thank God that I wasn't born in those days, that I was born after Christ and not before Christ. So, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once who, who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ has enabled everyone from every country, every continent, to be engrafted into the family of God. For he himself is our peace, who has made two groups, one, one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So now we have no more Jew and Gentiles. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. This is one of the things that Jesus Christ um, did when he went to that cross. By which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So God had um, chosen a man in Abraham and established an agreement, a covenant. Because God was, if to put it in uh, proper terms, the Lord was actually locked out of the earth. Because of what the transgression of man that happened in the Garden of Eden. And God had given um, dominion of the earth to man. And man had um, pretty much subjected that to, to um, Satan. And now God had a plan to come back. And he made a covenant with Abraham. And introduced himself back to Abraham. And then to a people called the Jewish people. The, the nation of Israel. And they were the, the chosen people of God. But the fullness of that plan did not stop there. The fullness ended with the coming of Jesus Christ and he reconciled. So we, if we look under the old covenant, we see the nation of Israel and we also see the Gentiles and they were opposing forces. They were, let me just wait, let someone in. They were not, they were two different people. One set was the people of God and the others were kind of like the enemies of God. And I would think that if you had looked up my name back then, you'd have found that I would be among the enemies of God. I hope I would have had the wisdom as some to, you know, become a part of it. But I'm, I'm considered a Gentile, being not of the Jewish nation. But I thank God for Jesus. But it says in verses 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And that is an amazing thing. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It's uh, ironic we're talking about foundations. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two, who are, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So I'm actually reading from um, a study Bible. So if you're reading your King James version, you might find that it's a little bit um, different. But I just chose the study Bible for, since I'm going so fast, it'll be easier for us to um, understand the words. So that was accomplished by Jesus Christ. So now we become partakers of that covenant. That covenant that was extended, was, was agreed upon between Abraham and God. And a very, you know, that covenant entails a lot. And I believe we should now begin to, as people who are now joined to become the people of God, we need to go into that covenant. It, it's in, let's look at it from this perspective. It's like you had a father or someone in your family member that died and left you um, a lot of money, material things. And you, you need those things, but you didn't go to uh, collect it. You didn't receive it. You didn't go through the legal um, procedure that is necessary for that money to turn up in your bank account. And you can go to the wherever you want to go and purchase something with that money. And when we, we, when we don't understand the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, and that we are now engrafted through the blood of Jesus Christ into those promises, we will live this life running from pillar to post, lost, trying to operate within the confines of the intellect that God has given us. And there will be times that we will have levels of success, but our soul will not prosper because our eternal salvation is also something that was um granted to us through through receiving jesus christ as our lord and our savior but then all the other aspects all the other promises that is why we have been saying since we started here that this whole coronavirus thing has nothing to do with andrade has nothing to do with kim has nothing to do with those of us on here that truly know jesus christ i will you know when i go to these days we're still visiting people's home right, to pray and, and lay hands on people. When I go, I'm laying hands on people, I don't even remember that thing that exists. Because how oh, am I going to lay hands on someone to pray for them that they would get healed of something? And then in the meantime, I'm hiding from a, under a mask, trying to protect myself from some other sickness that is out there. I mean, that, you know, I don't know how people really come to this kind of conclusion. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I totally ignore it. Sometimes to the shock of people when I walk in their house and they're thinking that he's not, he has no mask on. He's not uh, going to the He's not um, using the hand sanitizer. You know, I'm here on God's business. I'm leaving this to God to protect me. Or else I'm, let me die in your house. But that's my belief system. And that's the kind of confidence that we're building here with the scriptures that we're actually going through. It's my faith that affords me to have this mentality. It's not my boast. It's not my confidence in myself. I'm not um, thinking that I'm lucky. No, I am confident. You know, the people that do know their gods shall be strong. That is strength that every one of us should have and do exploits. Are we doing exploits? And when I'm inside of the house, not only am I not going to get any sickness, one, no, but number two, if the Lord sent me there to do a job, the power of God is going to know. Confront the situation that is before you. Forget about Corona and all of those type of things. So we are hammering the foundation of things into the ground concerning our spiritual life. That, pe that people would be empowered when they meet challenges in their lives. 
So if we now turn to Isaiah 44, you know, I was planning to read the whole thing. It might be too long, but I'll read a little bit of it because I, I got to go into, um, you know, the, the lesson that we truly want to do today. But I want to read a little bit of Isaiah 44 for, for a particular reason, because now that we have been engrafted by Jesus Christ, we want to see what is it that he promised to us. And many of the scriptures in the Old Testament are like just full with those promises. And we have to now begin to um, take them by force. We have to now begin to um, align ourselves with the will of God, with the word of God, so that those promises and those things can begin to manifest in our lives. So Isaiah 44, verses 1, it says, and I'm going to change some of the terminologies here and add in some of you guys' names, since we are all, all um, engrafted in. I'm going to change Jacob and Israel, and I'm going to put some of our names in there for effect, because this is where the place that we are now. It says, but now listen, Jacob, now listen, Anna, my servant, Adriano, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who helped you, do not be afraid. Tangrina, my servant. What else do we have here? The bishop family, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on, dry, on the dry land and, and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like popular trees by flowing streams. These are terminologies sometimes that we are not very um, common. They're not common to us, but, you know, this is the type of language that was spoken uh, in those time frames. It says, verses five, some will say, I belong to the Lord. But what does it mean? On your descendants, on your children, what does it mean? On your finances, what does it mean? On your health. These are some of the things that are promised to us through this covenant that we are now in with Jesus Christ. And we want to know these things. So if my health is, you know, within this covenant, why should I be scared of something else that is outside? What I need to learn to do is to, a word that we use in the Christian circles a lot, appropriate we use a lot of terminologies in the Christian faith and people intellectually, you know, know how to sound like a Christian. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. And all of those type of things. But you know what? If, if, if you go into their home and check it out, sometimes the consistency is not there. Is that a criticism? No. I'm saying if that is the case, why don't we fix it? Right? Because do you believe that I'm still growing, I'm still learning, and that there are areas of me that God is still maturing? Absolutely. So what am I doing? I'm coming before the Lord when those things are revealed before me and asking him for grace to change. And that's what we, we should all be doing. Five, the B part. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. No God. There is no Buddhist. He's dead. Allah, dead. All of the 1.2 million Hindu gods, dead. Who then, and this is why I speak to Muslims too, by the way, when I meet them. Your God does not exist. You're, you're in a religious system and you've been programmed like how people program their, car, um, their computer. And you don't get no answer. And when you do get any kind of response it's from the demonic anti-god anti-christ there is only one name 
in which you can have conversation with the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's not Allah, it's not Buddha. We're making that we're very, very clear. We're not going to be apologetic about the truth. We're going to use wisdom when we talk to Muslims. We're going to use wisdom when we talk to Hindus, right? Because you don't make your case to them by offending them. But we have to understand this inside of your heart. You have to know this and be strong and be firm about it. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Then you will convert them. But if you're not sure of what you believe, you can forget about conversion. You can always give them the nice Christian uh, talk and then move on down the road. But if the power of God is there, many of them will convert and they will come over to the Christian faith. And we have seen so many examples of these. He says, let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. God is basically speaking that he has spoken words and they all come to pass. And, I, and I'm going to stop there, but I would encourage you guys to read through, not only through um, that particular scripture in Isaiah, but also to go back in the Old Covenant and begin to comb through the Old Covenant and see what is written there. What are the promises that are afforded to me because I receive, because I've been engrafted into the family of God? Do it for yourself. Don't rely on your preacher to do it. Many of the preachers these days have people jumping and skipping just because they're going to get a $1,000 um, offering. Like, no, that's not the way it is designed. Yes, offering is something of God. But we don't need to coerce it out of people. We don't need to, you know, um, get them excited using the gifts of God. We need to be real with them. And that's what we're, so that's what we're after here. And we are going to continually, continually hone this thing in that the fake, we will not do it. And I'm sure no one here, I'm sure most of the people here that I've been speaking with are tired of the church mentality. They're looking for the power of God. They're looking for the truth. They're looking for what has been spoken in scripture. And that's what we are, this is what we have been going through. So we have gone through uh, Hebrews 6 from 1 to 3 in terms of the six foundational principles that are listed there. And now we want to take it a step further. Because just like we have growth and improvement in the natural world, we have growth and improvement in spiritual things, in the word of God. Where is God taking us? What maturity level? What level of understanding and wisdom is he imparting us? And we have to work on those foundational things. And then now we're moving into perfection. So today we want to talk a little bit about perfection. Let's read from Matthew 5 and verses 48. Matthew 5, 48. And when we talk about perfection, we're not talking about perfection in the sense of how we typically think. Oh, you know, I can't make any mistakes. We're not talking about, we're talking about more about maturity. It says, be ye therefore perfect, <clears throat> even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. These, these, are, these are basic doctrines of the word of God, of which you are to build your spiritual life. Now we have two extremes. That usually take place with the, when with these um, when we're starting to grow with the Lord. Two extremes. Number one, the two extremes are common among believers. One is that they have a knowledge of the Word of God, but do not apply that knowledge to daily living. We have a knowledge of God, but we do not apply the things that we learn. We do not continue in them on a weekly basis. We tend to hear a sermon, hear a teaching, and then go back to a behavioral pattern that is consistent with the old man. And because of that, we go through cycles and we truly never mature. We truly never grow. 
the mind never go through that process of being renewed, which we spoke about a few weeks ago. And we, we have to make up our minds that we're going to put a stop to this and we truly are going to grow. We're going to go through some of the things that will cause us to grow. The other extreme is that believers emphasize experience and ignore doctrine. Experience. And we ignore the word of God. That is very, very common, especially when it comes on to the prophetic gift. And it's so explosive and exciting. It can be when God to begin to speak things over your life, even through a prophet. But a lot of the time, we are not willing now to undertake the process of being prepared. And we don't combine that with the word of God. And we don't combine that with dying to self. Because we want to accomplish this thing in the flesh. And as the song was saying earlier on, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Right? Not by might. We have to allow this process, which is sometimes uncomfortable, of death, to happen in us. And then we will move on. The word per perfection means complete, finish, and mature. Complete, finish, and mature. A perfect Christian is one who has achieved spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. So let's say, for example, let's look at this from an example perspective. We probably have used this example before. But let's say you are a person that quickly got angry. You are quickly, quickly agitated whenever someone offends you. And you come and you receive Jesus Christ. And this anger issue is still an issue after you receive Jesus Christ, after you've been baptized, or whatever other issue. Maybe it could be that you were constantly drinking. You know, you're, you can't get over um, your addiction to alcohol. I'm not saying uh, uh, anything is wrong with alcohol drinking. I'm just talking about excessive alcohol drinking. And no, this is still hindering your growth. What do you do? No, there's a process that is laid out that of the empowerment of the spirit that will come as you say, Lord, help me to overcome this. And now you are sitting in front of the glass and you're about to take a sip and your soul is saying yes and your spirit is saying no. And you have to develop some strength. You have, you have to now begin to begin to say, no, this is not consistent with the new life that I'm living. And you have to push that thing away. You're pushing it away. And you did it today, but tomorrow you went again and you were tempted. And tomorrow you drank. Or tomorrow you got angry. This, this is a challenge right here now. And this is something that might happen for a while. But eventually, if you do not give, it, give in, if you do not give up, and you continue to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for help, you, it, you will go a week. Then you'll go, then you'll fall. Then you'll go two weeks. And then you'll fall. But if you give this thing enough time and you continue to press into God, you will overcome. You'll get the victory. And this thing will not, will not um, dominate your life anymore. This thing that is now separating you from God to a certain extent will not dominate your life anymore. We, this is the way that it is designed that we should overcome these things. Systematically, we are going through, through it so that we can change. You cannot, for example, God has called you to be a pastor. And you're this anger issue. You're not going to be very if, uh, effective as a pastor if you're so easily, if you're so easily angered. You're not going to treat people with love. 
when they offend you, you're going to be like a two-year-old. We're going to be like a two-year-old. What can God do with, with us at that point? So you see the maturity that God wants to bring to us. He wants to mature us beyond these points where we are no longer just in the confines of our flesh. We can say, oh, you know, that person offended me, but I choose to forgive them. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to let it go. And this now, I'm just using basic examples here, but this can go for any other area of your life. And in the, if we now understand that the way we operate is no longer in the old man, you cannot be, um, you know, myself and Kim, for example, I always uh, play around a little bit too much and annoy her, but because of um, the way that the Lord gave her this, um, you know, this uh, temperament, and then she will just walk away from me and then go talk to God. And sometimes that's what allows the, the peace to be there because sometimes I just like, I'm troubling her, I'm troubling the kids, so maybe a little bit too much, and she'll tell me, you know, you need to not do it as much, right? But the way, the reason why we can um, coexist in those time frames when either I'm being annoying or she is being annoying to me is because I can I can say I'll let it go because of Jesus Christ I can let it go what if what if we just uh, followed up with that type of mentality tit for tat like they like to say you know we wouldn't get anywhere we would not grow in Jesus Christ and that and that and this is what we need in our marriages this is what we need in our family life we need to um, have that mentality that forgives we need to have that mentality that throws off heaviness off of us so we can function with God because he created us to be like that and to have that kind of relationship with him. And then this maturity will allow us to function with fellow believers in the proper perspective, in the proper perspective. Because, you know, when we come together, like we're saying that, you know, God has spoken a lot over this ministry and um, has revealed not only to ourselves, because this is not about us. This is about everybody that God is calling to be a part of this ministry to because God has a ministry inside of them also and I have to have the mentality that will allow another person to birth and to and to express what God has put inside of them if I want to take all of the attention then that's a, a character a trait that is not consistent with God so it will not work um, to build in the kingdom and that's and this is how we are going to coexist together I do not have to compete with anybody here and no one has to compete with anyone here. Why? Because God is not asking me to do what he has called, um, you know, Tanguina to do or Sharon to do. You know, Sharon is in worship. You think I'm going to go take the mic and say, you know what, let me go worship now. Yes, in my washroom and yes, in my closet. But I'm not going to come down to the church and, and, and try to do all things. That talent, that ability, that anointing. The first time she came here and, you know, she sung, the immediately she opened her mouth, the presence of God came, right? God has called her to function in that capacity. And we need to allow that to um, be expressed. So everybody has a talent, has an ability. And when we mature, when we stay under the old nature, we fight against each other, right? We compete with each other. We try to get the attention and the focus that is supposed to be on Jesus Christ. So we are dealing with the issues um, that are consistent within our soul, getting them aside. And then we can pray for, to God that, Lord, now send your power. Now, um, you know, anoint us to reach our communities and our country. Do exploits through us. The issue is never the people not coming to your church. No, the issue is your growth. 
when you mature, God will send the increase. If you're faithful in the little, the word of God says, then God will cause you to increase into more. So the focus, the focus is growth. The focus is maturity. And what do you do? You police, police your behaviors. I go back throughout the day and look and see how did I handle this situation? Can I do better tomorrow? I can't allow the old man to come back and to dominate me. Paul, the apostle, went through this process constantly. This is something that is constant in the believer's life. That's why the Bible says that God has given us a sound mind, a mind that is continuous. It's similar to you going on the streets, right, and driving your car. Can you close your eyes for 20 seconds or for a minute and just say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to close my eyes and take a chance for the next 20 seconds. That would not be advisable. That would not be a, a good thing to do. So why do we do that spiritually? Why is it that we forget on Wednesday that we are Christian and we think we can speak anyway and we think we can respond to someone anyway? That is what we're after here, to get rid of those type of things. And Jesus says in Luke 14, 29 to 30, let's read Luke 14, 29 to 30. I'm just going to read, uh, I mean, most of us are familiar, familiar with this um, scripture talking about the foundation. A man that has a plan to build a house, that that man should consider the cost, consider the cost. And it says in uh, 29, it says, less happily, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, begin to mock him, physically speaking. A house that you're building and you you lay the foundation and put um you know blocks and cedars standing and you ran out you run out of money you're you run out of money and people begin to walk by and to say what it, what's happening here what do you know that this is a similar thing that the world has been saying about christians we invite our friends to church and we say no i finally got him to church and he stayed there for a hour and a half two hours listen to the sermon and then you stop and get coffee on the way home and he didn't even call you back. Nothing happened. It's like he never heard what you heard. There was nothing there to, you know, wake him up, spiritually speaking. No exploits were, doing, were going on there. Because he said the people who do know their God. And guess what? Your pastor did not know God. And a lot of that has been happening. Nearly everybody that you see outside that is lost, at some point they were in church. And I'm not saying that all of them were responding and ready for God. But many of them were not influenced because there was nothing there speaking to them. They had locked the door on the Holy Spirit. Verses 30 says, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And that's the way it is. So we are going back and saying, when, I, when the Lord sent me somewhere, there has to be a performance to that thing that he sent me there to accomplish. There has to be a performance. There has to be a power. People have been calling us all week to pray. And I've been walking around my kitchen on the phone and saying, and there have been sometimes they tell me how many pastors have laid hands on them and how many churches they've been to, and they're still having this issue. And I'm here boasting. I say, let me have him. Give me a chance. Let me come over your house. Let me, let me. So God is going to do something. I'm, I'm boasting in my confidence in God, right? But I'm saying this is a different, I'm trying to convince them this is going to be different. Because you don't, the Lord called them to call to cause them to call me. And I feel the presence of God. Right? I want to jump over their house, break down the house, and um say, if you're ready, if they're ready, that is, if they're ready. 
And I said, no, we can, we can, listen, you want to, we, we can kick the devil out of your house. That's the way, that's what God wants us. This is the level that he wants us all to come into. They won't question the God that we serve anymore. They will, they will not. That's how Israel was when they came out of Egypt. Pharaoh and his mighty army. This God, this Israeli God is something, right? All of those pestilence, all of those things that he sent our way. Why, what about 2020? What about 2021? And what about the people that are alive now that are able to go back into scripture and see the people that did know their God, the exploits that they did? Are we going to know? Take that example and, car and carry it, it on. Are, are we going to be the one that camp out in the wilderness for 40 years and not see these exploits done through our lives, through everything on the line. God cannot fail you if you give him your life. He doesn't need help. He doesn't need you 70%. He needs 100%. Everything that you're, that you're chasing, that we're chasing, that is, con that is contrary to um, the way it should be, God has put it on the earth for, off, for us. Seek ye first the kingdom, like I've been saying. Seek ye first the kingdom of, of Jesus Christ and all of his righteousness. And uh, all the other things will be, <coughs> excuse me, added unto you. They will be added unto you. So building the superstructure. Building, how do we build this? Paul spoke of these spiritual immature believers in uh, Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. He says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe Paul really know, knew how to put his, uh, his pen to paper and make sense out of it eh? and really stick it to us that we should really mature he begin to use the you know comparing us to babies Many, many pastors are going home in the night, but they're still, their diapers are being changed in the realm of the spirit, right? They're sucking nipple bottles in the realm of the spirit, but they're eating with knife and fork around their tables in suits. If the Lord revealed their spiritual position, they would be ashamed. And they're presenting themselves intellectually before their congregations. Many of these people, we need to run out of some of these churches. We have to get, we have to be the people that understand that we are seeking God individually and, and also collectively. He says, but strong meat belong to them that are full of age. Even those who by reason of use, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We have to allow this process to happen in us. Paul told the Corinthian believers that it was time they should be teaching others. They should be teachers now. Isaiah 28 verses 9. It says, Whom shall ye teach knowledge? Whom shall ye teach knowledge? And whom shall ye make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. 
we believers, we need to put down the nipple bottle, the spiritual nipple bottle. We need to go through and iron out the foundational things and begin to move on to perfection. Do not try to build a superstructure on a faulty foundation. It will not work. The call to perfection. Matthew 5, 48. The call to perfection. But be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. This perfection reflects the presence of God. John 17, 23. I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one. Imagine this. I in them. Jesus Christ himself, by the Spirit of God. He's saying, I in them. How can we conduct our affairs like this? The Bible says, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In earthen vessels. How can we behave like this? My God, with the spirit of God inside of us. How can we speak like this? How can we think like this? How can we respond and act like this for such a long time? It's time we mature. It's time we grow up spiritually. And it's time we do this so we can inherit the promises that are written off, written off in Scripture. And God can actually give us an anointing. God can actually increase us financially. But we're using those gifts and those abilities and those finances in the way for kingdom use. For kingdom use. They are not coming to us because we are not at the standard of God. God is not a man that he can lie. He will not repent from it for his promises. He has elevated his word above his name for a particular reason. To show you how committed he is to the covenant that he has given to us. We are going to receive everyone on here that truly commit themselves to Jesus Christ in this way. We'll receive, we'll increase, we'll grow in every dimension, spiritually, physically, financially, health-wise, whichever area. If you do this, it has to come. So let's do it and, and let that come. Second Corinthians 13, it says, be perfect, be perfect. Individual perfection results in you in your being perfectly joined together with other believers in the body of Christ, like I was saying. That's what happens. When you mature as an individual, you will coexist with other believers in unity. Anytime you see believers come together and there's a lot of strife, I can tell you right off the bat, just begin to walk around and say, Immature, enough immature. You know, like what they said, unclean for someone who had leprosy. Just walk around and say, immature. Don't forget about their age at some point. At, at some, listen, yes. A lot of the times it's the older ones that are doing this. We can understand when the, the 20 to 30 are doing this, eh? Give them a little time. There is grace to grow. In saying this, there is grace to grow. It's not a critical thing. That I'm, I'm not being critical. But you know, the coach that is going to get your full potential out of you when the Olympics come around is the one who is going to communicate to you what you need to do. Not the one that tells you, oh, you know, just do the basics. Is he going to bring out the, the, ability, the best talent and ability out of you? Not a chance. Not, it's not going to happen. So we need people that will, you know, tell us the truth that is in God's word. So we truly can grow. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 10. 
A lot of scriptures I'm using to back it up, right? To back up what God is actually saying this morning. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. The renewed mind will be in agreement. The minds that have been Christians that have had a process of renewal happen to them to the degree that you have this newness of the mind of Christ is to the degree that you will coexist with other believers and you will be able to do something significant for God in unity. How can two walk together unless they be in agreement? It says in the book of Amos. You see, we don't want to fail um, six months from now in Heaven's Lighthouse Ministries. We don't want to fail one year from now in heaven, like Heaven's Lighthouse Ministries or five years from now. So we are setting a foundation that when we build a superstruction, superstructure, because God has already prophetically spoken the kind of ministries that ministry that we're going to have. And we take God at his word. And now we are furnishing this the foundation in ourselves. And by the Holy Spirit, by the empowerment of God, that foundation is being laid in us. And in, when I say us, all of us here, that is that the Lord has invited to be part of this ministry in some capacity. Every single person in the body of Christ. My, you know, the person that actually cleans the, the church, by the way, just to let you know, I clean the church in many other ministries that I was in. Hello. It's part of the process of how God matures you. Right. One time I was going to a church and the. Uh, they didn't empty the, they were ignoring the garbage bin. And the Lord told me, when you get to church, empty the garbage bin. And I went there, I walked by everybody, and I emptied the garbage bin. Every aspect of this. You know, if we have a new believer come in the church, and there is no order, what, what are they going to think if we are not in unity? You see, we have to inspect these things. Why? What's going to happen when we have 100 people, 200 people, 1,000 people? We are going to need, at that time, mature believers to oversee everything. Mature believers. The ministers that are going to be ministering alongside myself and Kim are, are going to have to have a high level of maturity. A high level of maturity. It's not convenient. You know, many of the issues that we've been dealing with even this week. It's like we went and they um, anointed us as pastors recently. We have been pastoring people for many years now. But they did it. From a legal perspective, I, get, I, I think I hope you guys are seeing, except for a little bit of growth on my hair, my head is not swollen. And we're doing the same things that we've been doing for years. And what's going to happen when God give us a church with a thousand people? Hello? It's going to be the same guy here and the same lady here. We ain't getting no big heads. It's not going to be, oh, you're anointed men of God. Hello? No. I'm going to continue to carry off the basic things that God has called me to do. Because my, my reward is not in this earth, on this earth. I'm going to thank God for, you know, many personal blessings and things that God has, uh, has promised us. I'm, I will enjoy them and I praise God for it. But my true reward, I'm not going to die and leave it. I'm going to keep it in heaven for eternity. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, build that, only that which is physical and then die and leave the whole thing. No, this is in regards to the house that the Lord showed my son. Caleb when he was nine and he went up into heaven. I said, Dada's house is so big. Yeah, I'm working towards it now. The roof is not on. Hello, if I fail in my ministry now, the house is just going to suddenly shrink. Because we're going to be rewarded based on what, whether or not we accomplish God's will. Take this thought. Take this thought. 
strive to look good in heaven. Don't strive only to look good down here. 1 Peter 2, verses 21. For even here, hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He suffered. We are not, it's not the gospel of convenience. But if God that created the heaven and the earth is going to go with you, that's your consolation. That's your comfort. That Jesus Christ will be with you every step of the journey. What a promise. What a promise. He didn't say your neighbor that is limited in his resources. He didn't say your doctor that sometimes is limited in the ability to bring healing to your body. He didn't say your bank that will tell you that we can't loan you the money. Him by himself will be with you. We see the turmoil that the, the earth is in now because of ignoring a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ignoring a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why the earth is in this turmoil. That covenant does not work unless you receive Jesus Christ. There is still grace. There is still goodness because the rain falls on the just and also on the unjust. But the covenant Covenant promises of God that guarantee you that you cannot die before your time is in Christ. If you're not in Christ, chances are you'll die before your time. I intend to live out every day that God, the Bible said that God has numbered our days. <laughs> I intend to live out every single day by the grace of God and accomplish every single thing that he has put it on my, my heart to accomplish. Hebrews 2 verses 10. For it became him for whom are all things. And by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering, perfect through suffering. When you're at work and you're being challenged by a, a, um, a co-worker and they make you upset and your first thing is, you know what, I'm going to beat the heck out of this person. Or you know what, you get angry on your way home and say, tomorrow I'm going to exact revenge. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will repeat. The idea is not to respond in this way. And that's why we are still in some of these situations and circumstances that we are still in. Why? <clears throat> God is refining us. Don't run out of the fire. Stay there and develop character. Stay, stay there and be made into the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ. That's why for, um, for even for myself, the Lord kept me in the secular world for a long time. That I would mature, that I would develop because I was very, um, the type of person... I didn't care about the paycheck at the end of the week, mind you. Many of you keep your job uh, when your bosses are angry at you because you think that you have to pay the paycheck at the um, end of the week. That was not my response. I was like, I wouldn't think about that. I would say whatever, I, listen, I would like reply and I would reply no. And I wouldn't give you the, the opportunity to fire me. I would quit and I've done that right in people's face. I say, I quit now. I don't work for you. And you know what? If it takes the money that you're going to pay me to go home and eat, I would rather go home and die. That was my mentality. Do you see how far God take, uh, has taken me? When I came to Jesus, okay? And I saw, and I begin to understand how my kingdom is not of this world. And I begin to see that Jesus don't exactly operate like this. I go, oh my God, I got to get a little bit of um, self-control here. I got to uh, grow up. A little bit here. My response is no longer that way. Right? 
I still have that strength, but I use it for a different purpose. I use it in my conviction for God. But my response is not one of um, getting uh, angry or irritated and, and walking in unforgiveness. As a matter of fact, you know, so far no one has actually um, done any harm to me where it is very difficult to forgive them. And I know sometimes some of the things that people suffer, it's very hard to forgive. So I'm not going to minimize you know, that sometimes it's very difficult for us to forgive and to overcome some of the injustices that we have actually suffered. And only by the grace of God are we able to do so. Right? But I'm just saying that God is able to do all things. He's able to impart you with that ability to forgive. Because when you forgive, he, he, now, he is, now has the legal right to come in your life and heal you. That you can, you can think back on these hurts and these things that you've suffered and you're no longer aggravated by them. Only the Jesus can do that. That's why we're pointing you to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we discussed last week, the standard of perfection by which believers are measured is God's word. It's his word. It's not the word. That's why the word has to be, that's been spoken by your preacher, by your pastor, has to be consistent with what you're reading in scripture. If they deviate from that word to appease you, it will not function in your life. So we have to know the word for ourselves, which is, um, you know, we need to take the time out during the week, 20 minutes per day. You know, if you have never read the Bible from back to forth, front for, or from front to the back once, you can do it in a year. You can establish a plan. And I think if you do it about 20 minutes per day for a whole year, you would have read the whole Bible instead of trying to um, cram it into a, a short period of time. That way you would uh, you know, would garner more understanding from God's word. And if you miss a day, then on the weekend you do 40 minutes. Because sometimes things will come up that will prevent you from doing it. But don't give up when that happens. Just continue to, you know, go, keep going. When you, when you fall, you get up and you go again. So much of the Old Testament, much of the history of the Old Testament records the inability of man to keep God's law. The inability of man to keep God's law. In Romans 3, verses 20, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. So we thank God that this is not something that you, we are going to be undertaking in our own strength. Deuteronomy 18, we'll read from 18 to 19. It says, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require, I will require it of him. I will require it of him. So, you know, anyone that does not respond to the word of God, God is going to judge you like we went through last, last week. We have to respond. Every time we do this thing, the alarm system in my um, house goes off. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 1 to 14. It says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For by one offering he had perfected forever them that are sanctified Talk, talking about jesus christ through one offering he has brought us into this 
new life, that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome every challenge, every hindrance, to function in, in, a, perfection, in a state of perfection with Jesus Christ. We were, it was not designed that we would be battered to and fro only thinking about our material needs, only thinking about, oh, we're going to pay the bills, like we know is the focus here in the system in Canada. We want to point people, people back to basics, to a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be led by the Holy Spirit, where you can actually understand, I can go before God and let him know the situation. He already knows, but we are going to articulate, articulate it to him in prayer, and there will be a response from God. So the, let's move on to levels of perfection. Levels of perfection. <clears throat> Initial perfection. We're not saying this thing is that this thing is some, something that is accomplished overnight. It's not something that is accomplished overnight. So if you have been at this process for a while and you have not seen certain levels of breakthrough, don't give up. Grace of God is here to take you from where you are now and to take you to the next level. Paul called the believers saints, which, which means sanctified ones. In 1 Corinthians 1 verses 2, Paul called the believers saints, which means sanctified ones, like I was saying. Yet in the same letter, he corrects these saints because of sin. They were believers and sanctified in Christ, but some of them were not living right in their daily conduct. But Paul called those believers saints. These believers had received initial perfection. They were forgiven of their sins and through redemption from dead works. These sins were forgiven once and for all, as it says in Hebrews 10 verses 4. And this initial perfection was received at the time they accepted Jesus as Savior. But these Christians had gone on, not gone on into perfection. They had not continued to put off the old man. They had not continued to put off the old man. Romans 6 verses 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin anymore. We have to get beyond this point. Paul told them it was not right to continue in sin after con con conversion. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We went through so many things, so, so many of the things that are distracting us these days. So many of the gadgets, the TV, the computer, the different things that are constantly bombarding us. And because of these distractions that we are allowing, I say allowing because we are literally allowing, because we have choice. And for this process to be undertaken in you, well, like we said on a number of occasions, but I'll say it again. As a reminder, and for those who are new, we have to get rid of these distractions. We cannot allow the TV to tell us when to turn it on because of a series that we have been watching. And if we miss this part, we miss the whole you know, reasoning behind that movie. That, 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 that is not the way it's supposed to be. We have to get rid of those things. Because if you constantly watch Netflix at night and then you come, uh, come to church or we're doing the service once per week, I tell you right off the bat that these lessons will not, it, it, will, it won't work. You won't overcome. We have to 
And I'm not saying that you can't watch movies, right? We have to be careful of the kind of movies that we watch. Our, eye, our, our eyes are more than just for seeing outward. We receive through our eyes and also through our ear. They are gates. When you see a car that you've never seen before, and all of a sudden you begin to think, check your bank account to see if you can afford that car. What was that? That was a gate. So when you see lifestyle that are inconsistent with God's word, constantly bombarding you on the TV screen, at your workplace, like we said, they're constantly talking about the movie that happened last night or the next vacation. And you're thinking, you and your husband are, are, are saving the money to buy your first house. And now you go home and tell your husband, oh, you know, such and such went to the Dominican Republic and they say it's really beautiful there. And there goes the down payment for the house. You're off in the plane. We have to know how to say no. We have to stick to our, what we know to be consistent with the word of God. At that point, we have to make a decision. I'm not going to take part in this movie conversation that happened online. Or happened on the TV screen last night. These are the things that are defeating us. And we cannot think we can watch them and then resist them. The minute you, you um, those things influence you the minute they come inside of you. They might not depending on one occasion, two occasions, won't have an impact on you. But night after night after night, watching those type of uh, films and the lifestyle that is promoted in Hollywood, do you really think you're going to have a chance to get close to Jesus Christ? No. The minute you wake up, you're going to be chasing after material things. You're going to be chasing after material things. So one of the ways to do it is to disconnect as much as possible from that type of influence from those type kinds of people it will help greatly in you maturing you will have singleness of mind that's why i don't have the for years now we, we don't have cable i read uh the news and so forth on the computer no cable no tv i don't know what series i don't know what movie and let me tell you quite frankly i've not missed anything nothing and i won't miss anything from the ones that have not they have not um produced as yet all I need to know is what God wants me to know. The next one is progressive perfection. Initial perfection from sin at the time of salvation is, is the start of a progressive life of sanctification. Sanctification. What it, sant, when you're purging yourself from movies, from scenes, from violence, and these kinds of things. Sexually explicit material. You're sanctifying yourself unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't watch uh, those type of scenes and, and then belong to Jesus Christ. No. You got to let go off of those type of things. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. It's saying here, not you. Not the Anna that I knew before. Well, you know, since I knew Anna, Anna has been sanctified. Right? But, but Tanguina, this is not the Andrade that you knew before. Right? Oh, I've known Tanguina for a very long time now. So, you know, even though we had a knowledge of God, but we were not serving God in its, in its, full, in its full capacity. So, Tanguina would have known me a bit when I was not in my renewed state because we were neighbors. When he was very young, a long time ago. He's still young. Right, Tangrina? 
<laughs> says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. You're living this life in the flesh. I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are, it's like we're a vessel. We're a container. And the Spirit of God. You know, I listened to a revelation. It's called the law of territory. The law of territory. That spirits are not allowed to exist on this planet. Or in our material bodies are not allowed to exist in the realm of the spirit. <clears throat> because of the law of territory. Spirits need a material body to come on the earth. Which is why the devil is trying to take you. And take over your mind. So that he can destroy your mind. <clears throat> and use your mind. And in using your mind. He can use your physical body. For destruction. Like we see terrorists. What do they do? They allow demonic forces to take over their mind. And before you know it. Their body is strapped with bombs thinking that they're doing good to blow up a bus with you know with people who are going we're taking their kids um you know and going for uh shopping and all these type of things it's crazy let's read philippians 3 verses 12 and we're coming to the end very quickly <clears throat> paul said this he says not as though i had already attained either were already perfect but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. He's basically saying that position, that person, <clears throat> that Jesus Christ is causing you to be, calling you to be as an individual. Yes, he wants you to sound a certain way. Yes, he wants you to act a, way, a certain way. Yes, he wants you to conduct yourself a certain way. There is a, there is a person that Jesus Christ wants Andrade to be, a mature believer in Christ. And we have to aspire to get to that level. We have to aspire to get to that level. Paul had not attained complete perfection. But it was his goal. He, des he described his struggle for perfection in another passage. Let's read Romans 7, 15 to 23. Romans 7, 15 to 23. For that which I do. It says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. He's talking about the struggle that is actually happening inside of him. That is not consistent with the person that Jesus Christ wants him to be. He's acknowledging it. He's actually seeing it. We have to see it like Paul saw it. If we do not see it, we will con continue to exist perpetually in this unperfection, in this baby-like spiritual state. We will not mature. We have to begin to observe our behaviors and note when they are not consistent with who Jesus Christ is, when they are not consistent with the word of God. It go, he goes on, Know then it is no more I, I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Let's, um, really, this is absolutely amazing. <clears throat> he says it here. For I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. No good thing is in our flesh. Period. That is the word of God. No good thing. We can accomplish nothing worthwhile. With our own intellect. With our own mind. With our own way of thinking. It's of no use from a God. From a spiritual perspective. For to will is present with, with me. I have the desire. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. 
For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. My God, if Paul, a man that was so close to the Lord Jesus Christ, had so many encounters, great revelation, and yet he still had this conflict that he's describing here inside of him. How much more? In 2020, we who are being bombarded with everything have to now shut off these sources that are contrary to the plan of God in our life. He goes on, no, if I do that, that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He said, I have a desire to know God. I have a desire to be obedient to his word and to carry out his will. This fight, how do I overcome? You have to make a decision. We enter the kingdom of heaven through much, much suffering, the Bible says. You have to make a decision to cut off the negative friends, not hate them, not telling you to hate them. I'm just saying that you cannot allow them to continue to speak in your ear. Let's read Romans 8, 10, 11, and 13. Romans 8, 10, 11, and 13. It says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. He's saying we have the victory. He, even though there is this fight, he's saying if you take the prescription, which is the word of God, and begin to apply yourself accordingly, Paul is saying we can have the victory. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we have, we, if we allow ourselves to mature and to die in our, fle in our flesh, the spirit will take preeminence in our, in our being. And now we can give full expression to God. That's what, we are, that's what we are attaining after. We're not here to go to church and to sing hymns. No, 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 no. That's not the, the goal. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. But if ye through the spirit do mortify, mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The spirit life, it's talking about here. The spirit life. The process of perfection. The following things are necessary for the perfection process to occur, occur in your life. I'm going to wrap up in another few minutes. Number one is that good foundation that we spoke about. The good foundation. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance from dead works. Lay that foundation. Secondly, respond responds to the word of God. One of the purposes of the word of God is to provide correction which results in perfection. You see, we have to be, allow ourselves to be corrected. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profit, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Wow, correction. Many people don't want to be corrected these days. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What a beautiful thing. When we, you know, sometimes every now and then we go to the church and we meet a wonderful brother or a wonderful sister. And it seems like they can do no wrong. 
They're always smiling. They're always encouraging. They have attained to a level of perfection, of maturity. That's what God is calling us into. Just studying God's word is not good enough. James 1, 21 to 25. It says, therefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Number one, the word of God is able to save your soul. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he behold himself and go his way and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. But also looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. He be not a forgetful hearer, a forgetful hearer. We don't want to do that. Be a doer of the word. This man shall be blessed in his deed. That is the, this is why we see so much defeat sometimes. This is we, why we see the lack of the manifestation of the promises of God in our lives and in our brothers and so forth. Another thing is prayer. Colossians 4.12. Prayer. We have to have a prayer life. We have to study the word. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You know, we pray, begin to pray. I begin to pray. Early in the week in regards to this, the people that we're talking to. I pray for you guys when you're at work. I pray for you guys in the nights. All the time we're constantly praying and lifting up everybody that, that is a part of this ministry. We take all time to pray for, for everyone here. That God would help them through the week in their difficulties. Not only when you come here on Sundays, but we're praying that God would protect you, nourish you, strengthen you also during the week. And we pray over these um, before we come here on Sunday mornings, I begin to pray, and we, especially Saturday night, Sunday morning, myself and Kim get up early, and even half an hour before we come on, we're here praying. We know we have to have God move. We know that if it's the words only of a man, it will not, it will not um, help us. Consecration. I'm ending now. Consecration. Romans 12, 1 to 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, okay, let's examine sacrifice. You know what sacrifice is? When that TV program that you've been watching that is unhealthy, that is not consistent with God's word, is coming on now, and you, your soul is saying, I have to watch it. Consecration says you don't have to watch it. When that um, anger issue is coming up back, when you remember that you were offended by that person, your soul says, I have to get revenge. The spirit says, I don't have to get revenge. I can give it to God. That is what we're talking about. When you go to church and your sister step on your toe or said something that is inconsistent with what should be spoken, instead of respond, responding, you can, you can walk away. You can forgive. Right? This is the maturity. These are the um, responses that will begin to come from us when we are mature. And when you are mature, God knows those promises of God, or you're going to be operating a business, or you're going to be a pastor, or you're going to be an evangelist. Then now you can have those conversations with God. But God is not interested in anointing someone
for them to be a bad uh, representative representative of himself. It would not happen in the natural world and it will not happen in the kingdom of God either. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Only the new mind can perceive what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. The new mind. By consecrating your life to God, you will know this perf His perfect will. You see, when you know His perfect will, when you consecrate it unto Him. When you're constantly doing what your soul wants to do, and then you're trying to find out God's will and you can't find it out, He's basically saying to you that you're not ready. If you were ready, you would have, been, you would have started being obedient to His word. Consecration means to set apart. When you consecrate your life to God, you're, you refuse to conform to the standards of the world. Another th thing is submission to proven ministries. Submission to proven ministries. God uses spiritual leaders in the perfection process. You should submit to the leadership of those God set in authority in the church. That when you see Christ in a, in a, in a pastor, when you see Christ in them, being lived out inside of them, and God has presented you, in their ministry, you can subject to them. Follow me, Paul said, as I follow Christ. They will help you through this process. It has to be a continuous thing. You know, the, they say the banana get, that gets plucked out from the bunch is eaten. We don't want to be like that. A Christian that is operating um, outside of the body of Jesus Christ, thinking that he's all strong and able to do it on his own, pretty soon something is going to happen that he's going to realize that's not the case. That's not the way the Lord designed it. He designed us that we would function in relationships connections not um only from our physical family but also our spiritual family the church of jesus christ submission to proven ministry ministries means submitting to spiritual leaders whose ministries have shown conformity to god's word the role of spiritual leaders in the per in the perfection process is revealed in paul's writing this is also let's go first thessalonians 3 verses 10 night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith that's paul talking about wanting to minister to those that he had birthed spiritually colossians 1 28 whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in christ jesus always laboring fervently for you in prayers colossians 4 12 always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of god this also we wish even your perfect perfection second corinthians 13 verses 9 this also we wish even your perfection he's saying i wish your perfection that you would mature that you'd get to that level Another thing we have to recognize really quick is suffering. No one likes to suffer. But when suffering comes in the life of a believer, believer it can have a positive pur purpose. Suffering results in perfection. 1 Peter 5 verses 10. But the God of all grace who had called, unto us, called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settle you. So when we come into challenges... We're not inviting them, but when we come into challenges that God is allowing, we walk through them by his grace. We don't run away from these situations and circumstances. 
James 1 verses 4, it says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So when we're butting heads sometimes with our co-workers, Lord, how do I now take on a position that will allow me to learn what you want me to learn from this position and mature? This is here for my maturing. This is not here to harm me. Take those situations and those circumstances and then allow God to grow you through them. Self-control is another one. Self-control, which is one of the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 1. Cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You see, one of the things is to fear God in a reverential way. And to res respectful of God, to sit down in front of the um, TV and watch certain images. I have too much respect for the holy spirit for the lord jesus christ to do that i can't do it my my conscience will not allow me to to sit there and watch something many times we have attempted to watch movies and you know as soon as we begin to like the movie something comes on that is not consistent with what with our faith and we have to make a hardcore decision at that time it, you know not only will we take it out we'll break it just to make a statement to god that we rather have you know do what is pleasing to him then watch this movie. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body, to control the whole body. And then another one is lastly, responding to spiritual correction. Responding to spiritual correction. That's why God has pastors and teachers to, pre to prepare us, to help in that process. They don't come and read the word for you uh, every time. You have to do most of that at home. But they will advise you. All right. Last scripture, Galatians 6, verses 1. Galatians 6, verses 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be undertaken in a fault, it made reservation for the fact that we will make mistakes and errors. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You will be restored to perfection if you respond proper, properly to such correction. So we have everything the Bible says that we need for life and for godliness. God has given us everything in Christ. Here we are. We need to take full advantage of it. All right? And so that's pretty much the message today. We have all of the other teachings on the foundational things on the website. If any, anybody want a refresher or if you're not, you're not familiar with them, you can go on the website. They're there. And also, we will put this uh, message on there also. So I give God um, thanks for, for the ability to uh, deliver that message this morning. Mm -hmm. And now we're just going to open it up for prayer. For those people who want prayer, this is where you come together in agreement in regards to those things that you're petitioning the Lord for. Amen? Amen. So if you have a prayer request, you can type it in the chat. And I will get uh, someone to...